Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Today we continue a series, God's Providence. So let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm chapter 139, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, God Rules All Human Lives. Maltby Babcock was a pastor in New York. He, he lived in the 1800s, but he's best known for the words to a hymn, This Is My Father's World. And I love that hymn. I wish it was one of those hymns that we wouldn't forget but bring back into the singing life of the local church. That hymn has everything to do with what we're talking about. God in his providence rules all that he's made. And in the first and second verse of that hymn, Babcock says that, This is my father's world, and he speaks of it in inanimate nature. He says, in the rocks and the trees, and then also in the living world. So he writes, this is my father's world. The birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white declares the maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. But then comes the more difficult issue. Verse 3 begins by saying, This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. And that, my dear friends, is where many of us struggle. It's easy to sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. And, And as we sing, we're reminded that God not only created all things, but that he sustains all things. At each moment, everything that exists continues in its present form because the maker, the creator, the great God of heaven has willed that it should be such. But here's where it all breaks down, at least for many of us. How do I account for the kings of the earth? Every one of them, says the Bible, Romans 13, verse 2, everyone has been placed there by the hand of God, who just as he wills that the earth should remain, also wills that they should remain for whatever time period he in wisdom gives them. Now, as we know, that's all fine. It's a happy thought when when the rulers do well, but I don't have to tell you they don't always do well. Now, I dealt with that yesterday, but today, let me complicate matters further. Today, I'm going to say that the Bible teaches that God not only rules over the kings of the earth, but that he is the ruler over every single human life. That is, he is the ruler of both the lives of believers and unbelievers, both of the good and of the wicked. And as before, let's first establish what the Bible actually says about that. David speaks about that in Psalm 139. He acknowledges that when he sits down and when he rises up, that God is thoroughly acquainted with all of his ways. God knows him so well. He knows every word that will be on his tongue in the future. Well, up to that point, most of us have very few problems. I mean, after all, why shouldn't it be true that God knows everything about us, past, present, and future? After all, God will judge the human race objectively. And if we are to stand before him in judgment, we don't want God to simply tell us what he heard about us or about some rumor about us that was purported to have been said. We want to know that God has firsthand knowledge of all of us. Well, as I've said so far, that's easy to understand. But what are we to make of the fact that in verse 16, David says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
And what do we make of Job 14 verse 5? Job commenting on the ways of God toward every human life. He says, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. So that's to say that the length of every single human life and and the things accomplished and the things that limit the accomplishments of all are ruled by God. See, don't you see, this idea takes away the idea of luck or the lack of luck. I was just unlucky. Well, not true. God appointed your limits, and his appointment bounded your days and your accomplishments. See, what do we make of the fact that Jeremiah, Jeremiah 10, verse 23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Or Proverbs 20, verse 24, which says, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? That's to say that we ourselves don't understand the reason for our own decisions or the way in which our life takes shape. But God understands it completely. And why is that? Because this is the difficult part for so many of us. It is that the Lord directs our step. Oh, I know. This is glad news for those who submit to God. Oh, Lord, I might plan my ways, but you, please, oh, Lord, direct my steps. And and as we know, he does. But what of the ungodly who have no interest in God's ways? Well, says the Bible, the way of man is not in himself. Your destiny is not in yourself. The trajectory of your life is not in yourself. God directs your steps. Again, I know some of us are going to say, look, I have several objections to this. First, I know that God has given me free will. And second, this view that God directs the steps of every man, well, that leads to fatalism. And ultimately, if that's true, how can anyone be held accountable for the way in which they live their life? We're going to discuss these matters at length as we go through this series, but please notice that on the matter of free will, your free will is severely bounded in. I know that in our world, it's become quite popular to say that that you can do anything you want to do and become anything you want to become. But ask yourself if that's really true. I mean, what if you contract an incurable disease tomorrow? Or what if you don't make it into Harvard or Princeton? Or what if you're five foot seven and you want to play basketball in the NBA? What if, well, you understand my point. We're limited, bounded in by a multiplicity of factors, including economic advantage, health, IQ, where and when we were born, the the country of our birth, the family that raised us. Well, the factors that influence our decisions are huge. And furthermore, What we are offered, especially in our youth, is a major factor of what becomes of us. See, I know all manner of people have overcome huge obstacles and hurdles in life, and these wonderful stories of human courage and human willingness to strive toward the best, well, they encourage us, but they are bounded in by IQ, our stamina, a host of other factors over which we have no control, but they are controlled by God. See, with a little bit of thought, we all know this is true. There's an old saying that says, life is what happens while we are making other plans. And I, in my own life, know how true that is. You know, I got unexpectedly saved by the Lord Jesus at the age of 18. And and prior to that, if you would have asked me how my life was going to work out, I would have said, well, I was either going to take over my parents' dairy farm or I was going to enter into business. And I was not averse to marriage, but I certainly thought I would delay that as long as possible. 
But when I surrendered to Jesus, a part of my conversion prayer was that God would keep me from the pastoral ministry. And and I was pretty sure God would do that because as far as I saw it, I certainly was going to be crazy enough to do that. After all, I liked fast and expensive cars and, and other stuff. And all the pastors I knew were getting ordered around by the congregations. I didn't want that. And they drove the most boring family sedans I'd ever seen. And none of them had a motorcycle. And And I loved some of those pastors, but I I never admired them, and that's a fact. But if I were to look ahead and see where my life was going to take me, I would have been shocked. And I would have told you I chose none of those things. And truth be told, I didn't plan that. But my way was hemmed in by God, and He determined my steps, and He appointed the limits I was not allowed to cross, and He directed the footsteps of my life. Now that according to the Bible, is certainly true of all of those who are saved by grace. In Galatians 3, verse 15, Paul says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. And God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Yeah. Christians can and must see the predetermining hand of God in our lives. The one who Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 4, who chose us in him before the foundations of the world. And that is not just before I was born, but before the world was born. You had already been chosen for his glorious grace. And that rather than frustrates us, or makes us think, oh, what about what I wanted? Well, that actually fills us with joy. God's will, not my own, won out in my life. That's wonderful news. But is that true for everyone? What about God's providence in the lives of those who don't believe? I know that's a very difficult matter, but the Bible does help us speak to those issues. Now, what the Bible says might not answer everything, but it will help us to know whether or not we can say with confidence that God is in control. You know, there's certain sensitive topics some of us tend to avoid discussing, even with our loved ones. Money is definitely one of those. But since the Bible certainly does not shy away from discussing the matter of money, then neither should we. That's why we're so excited to share with you our newest resource called 10 Questions About Money Matters. It's a short booklet based on Dr. John's audio series, God and Money and it will help you address financial issues from a biblical perspective. We're confident this resource will provide financial guidance, helping us to become better stewards of the resources that God has graced us with. We're thrilled to offer you this booklet for free for the whole month of August. To request your copy or to offer a gift to support the ministry, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. It gets messy, as you know, when we say that God rules all human lives. It takes some getting used to. Immediately when we say that, we are thinking about our very real choices, which, by the way, all of us do have. Our power of choice is not imaginary, it is real. And it is because we have real choices that the Bible commands us to choose. 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 records Moses preaching to Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. Or listen to Joshua's sermon to Israel. That's recorded in Joshua 24, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Kathy and I have engraved in our marriage rings the words of Micah 4 verse 5. For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You know, that verse reminds us that human beings have all made choices about the gods they will serve, but that notwithstanding, our vow between the two of us is set. We will walk after the Lord our God. And all of these things remind us of the power and the consequences of the real choices that we all make. We must not deny this, for we are held to account for the decisions we make. But here I think we often fall into a trap. We assume that our power of choice rules our lives rather than it is God who rules our lives. In essence, some of us have come to worship our choices, and because of that, we assume that when we're in a better place than someone else, well, it must have been because we made better choices. What follows then is pride and arrogance and looking down on others. Let's see what the Bible says. Consider Psalm 75, 6 and 7. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Think of that. When one is lifted up, that is, brought to prominence, and another is put down, that is, lives a life of relative obscurity, that is from God. And a little thought tells us it must be so. I've read accounts of some of the great computer geniuses who set the table for the modern computer era. I'm talking about men like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and others. And everyone seems to agree that most of the factors that allowed them to reach prominence had everything in the world to do with being born at the right time and being in the right place. Take away those factors, factors that they didn't control, and the world would never have heard of them. The times in which they lived were in the hands of God. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, said something very much like that. Luke 1.52 records her as saying, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. And that's to say exactly what is said in Psalm 75. He lifts one and puts down another. I know that some of us are frustrated by that. We think it's unfair that others have received opportunities that never came our way. And that had we had those opportunities, we too could have done well. Well, we're right to think that way. But we need to add those opportunities came from God who rules all human lives. God and not our choices rule this world or rule the kingdoms of men. But there's more. The power of each individual intellect is controlled by God. So are our unique talents and natural abilities. Paul said so in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. He asks, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? What Paul has in mind when he says that is human pride. See, we love the idea of the self-made man or woman, but that idea is an illusion. 
Look, I'm not belittling the power of the choices that we make, but please understand the choices we make all happen in a context. Children born in poverty in Bangladesh never had the opportunity to become the next Warren Buffett, the next soccer star, or to become famous in the movies. They never had access to the education of children that were born in the first world and were never shown the the possibilities of the sciences or the arts or the world of music or the opportunities in medicine or engineering or in other fields. Our looks, our intellect, our opportunities, our health, and even our inward drive, the friends that either pushed us forward or held us back, so much of what we can't control was in fact controlled by God. David said that about his military skill. He said that God had equipped him with strength. And then in Psalm 18, 33 to 34, he says, He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Look, this is the reason why David was so successful in battle. God made him that way. And furthermore, we know that the decisions that rulers make are actually made under the providential watch care of God. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. And that's to say, God oversees the ultimate decisions of political rulers. How does he do that? Well, think about Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar. God actually subjected him to countless miracles, and also God drove him into madness until he acknowledged that the God of heaven rules. It's an amazing account of how God manipulated a pagan king. Or think about the account of Ezra 1 verse 1. We read in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it into writing. Think about those words. Long before Cyrus was born, God had spoken to the prophet Jeremiah. Let me read Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So that's to say, God had told Jeremiah that Israel would go into captivity for her sin. And then, after she had been in captivity for exactly 70 years, God would bring them back. So imagine the scenario. God caused Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to attack Israel and burn their temple down, drag the nation into exile. And then, after 70 years of exile, God caused Cyrus, king of Persia, to issue a decree to bring them back. And both were pagan kings making their free moral choices, yet they did so under God's providential hand. And as we've been saying, this is not only true of kings, it's true over every single human being. God is directing the footsteps of all or the trajectory of all. But how does he do this? I'm going to spend a good bit of time next week in examining that vital question, and that's because the scripture has a great deal to say about that. But for now, let's examine Psalm 33, verses 13 to 15. There we read, The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth, he who fashions the hearts of them all. Now, of course, by the time we read that God fashions all hearts, well, we're not surprised. 
For in the early part of that psalm, we were told that God not only created all things, that he directs all things. Verse 7 says that he puts the deeps into storehouses and so forth. And then in verse 10, we're told that the Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing and that he frustrates the plans of the people. That is, God determines whether what any person plans will actually come to pass. And then after verse 15, where God fashions the hearts of all, the psalmist tells us that a king is not saved by his army, nor a warrior on the battlefield by his mighty strength, nor is the war horse the hope for success in battle. And why is that? Because God frustrates human plans. He determines what will come to pass by fashioning the hearts of all. The point, I think, should now be plain. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And since that's so, Maltby Babcock was correct. Remember, he was the author of the hymn, This is My Father's World. He said, And though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Indeed, he must be. He created all things. He holds all things together. He ensures that all things occur according to the purpose of his will. He directs the course of every nation, and he directs the trajectory of every human life. And that's why Christians rest assured that he is the ruler yet. Human will never overrides the plans and intentions of God. God rules human will, and human power does not stand against him. So rejoice, Christian. God, our Savior, rules the lives of all. John, I've often heard you use the term meticulous sovereignty. So I guess that suggests that God is involved in every little incidental thing of life. Is that, is that what you think? Yeah, I do think that. Uh, I think that's what the scripture seems to indicate, uh, not just seems to, it says so in some very clear ways. I think the problem that many of us, of course, have is that, you know, what about human freedom and all of that? And I'm going to address that as we continue on in this series. But I do think that we need to finally grasp the issue that there are no accidental things that happen, coincidences. I no longer, Ben, use the word luck. I've simply banished it from my language. I use the word God's providence, that in his providence, God has caused this to happen. And hence, you know, so I find myself in whatever situation I find myself. So I like the idea that the Bible communicates to us that there is not a single thing that I will ever encounter in this world in which I will not find God's hand meticulously involved in it. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again next week right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. The Back to the Bible Canada blog page has recently seen some exciting changes. So in addition to Dr. John's blogs, we'll now be having regular monthly blog contributions from special ministry guests and friends of the ministry. So make sure to receive the Back to the Bible Canada Dr. John and Company blogs each week by signing up for our audio mail or download our Back to the Bible Canada app or just visit backtothebible.ca every week. Timely, interesting, biblical perspective sharing thoughts about faith, life, and culture with the Bible at the very center. To check out the Dr. John and Company blog page, visit backtothebible.ca or call us at 1-800-663-2425 for more information. And remember to ask for your free ministry resource, 10 Questions About Money Matters, 
during the month of August.